Well, good morning. Hey, it's good to see you again. Good to be here. Good to be here in person. Um, good to be back among friends and friends I haven't met yet. Uh, my name's Igor, live in Papamoa Beach, just come over the hill this morning. And uh, hey, Simon, Tina, good to see you again. Um, Liz, hi. And others I recognise, um, just met Noah this morning. Man, legend, eh? Come all the way. Did you know he represents his country in uh, the Paralympics? Go and ask him about afterwards what that is. So, good to meet you, man. Um, hey, it's good to be here in person. Last couple of times, I think uh, Craig had me record a message from my lounge, and you might have seen that, might have not, but isn't it good to have a bit more freedom now, eh? Good to be able to get out and about. I even got a hug this morning when I walked in. How good is that? Um, we're enjoying a bit more freedom. In fact, just the recent school holidays, we jumped on one of those um, pressurised tubes and up in the sky, you know, aeroplane, and went overseas. It's like, whoa. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's things that we got used to that we haven't done for a long time, eh? And so we enjoyed eight days at the Sunshine Coast, which was great. And uh, got back last Saturday morning, about midnight, rolled into Auckland Airport among nine other planes, so it was like two hours before we got let out. 2 a.m., we're driving home. And, um, you know, normally... I wouldn't do that, you know, middle of the night, who wants to drive? But we were like, hey, we get to go to Aussie, how good is that? And for our own well-being, it was just so refreshing uh, to have a break, and you need to do that occasionally. Now, well-being has been at the forefront of, um, of our minds, hasn't it, for the last couple of years, with, um, with the ongoing restrictions and things. You don't need to go very far to see a magazine article or a promotion about looking after your well-being, okay? Now, um, uh, no doubt you've noticed that as well. Richard Branson, who's, who's the, uh, the boss, the founder of Virgin Airlines, he in fact said that um, 2022, 2022 is, uh, is the year where every company should be looking after the well-being of their, their staff, their employees, but also we need to look after the well-being of our communities. Okay, so well-being is a hot topic, eh? So, but I don't know about you, as Christians, I reckon we've got the market on well-being. I reckon we've got the answer on well-being. And uh, somehow we need to incorporate that in our speak and rather than swallow the mumbo-jumbo that is out there, okay? So, um, in fact, when it comes to well-being, I like the concept of a dashboard so that... Um, in the different areas of well-being, you can kind of see where you are. Maybe, I don't know how you're doing this morning, but maybe in some areas the tank is a little bit on empty and you need to think about filling it up a bit. Maybe it's running on full in every area. I don't know. Um, but I kind of like this, you know, it's a picturesque way of thinking, hey, that you can kind of get your head around, you know, how's my physical well-being? Uh, my emotional well-being was filled with eight days on the Sunshine Coast. It was great. Um, so, now, when it comes to warning lights on your dashboard, we know that we shouldn't ignore it, eh, when it goes on red. Yeah, there's a few people looking at each other, a few nudges. Now's not the time to nudge the person next to you. Just think about your own dashboard. Or what do you do when the fuel gauge is nearing empty? Are you one of these people that likes to challenge the, can we get another kilometre out of this tank? All right? Yeah. I remember one day heading over the desert road, you know, and we left Waiuru, um, Waiuru and we went going to the other side, and at Waiuru it said 11 k's to empty, 
And I was like, I got this. Oh. A little bit of marriage advice. Man, don't do that. Um, but anyway, so I'm learning as we go. We're all learning, right? Um, so, but I wonder, you know, when it comes to warning lights, um, we know not to ignore it. Now, I just told you we got out of Auckland Airport at 2 a.m. I got about a half hour down the motorway and this little orange light come up on my dashboard at 2.30 a.m. I mean, it was a long time since I woke up on the Sunshine Coast that morning. Do I really want that? Sally and Hannah were falling asleep thinking there's a three-hour cruise home to Tauranga. The engine light came on. Now, we know, don't we, when you ignore these warning lights, it's at your peril. So I was actually thinking ahead to this talk, thinking, you know, if I carried on driving, that would be a disaster of a story. So I pulled over, did the wise thing. So I'm at the mobile pump at Mercer, you know the one? At three in the morning, on the phone to the AA. And uh, so half an hour later, they turn up, and um, uh -uh, you're not going anywhere. Um, in fact, we're going to have to tow your car. But thankfully, you know, the AA said, you've been a member for 30 years, we're going to tow you all the way back to Papamoa. How good is that? Good service. So at 7 a.m., we arrive home. Um, but um, I took, the car got dropped off at the Mazda dealer, and the mechanic looked at it, and on Friday he said to me, good for you for not ignoring the warning sign. The bill will only be $900 plus GST. All right? Um, and I'm saying, hang on, I don't quite equate that. You said good news, but... And he said, well, had you carried on driving, you could have taken it to the wreckers. That would have been the end of your car. So I guess it's 900 is better than a write-off. But all to say is we know that we shouldn't avoid the warning signs. Now, my work uh, in the community uh, as a workplace coach, it's a business I started two years ago, uh, I do a lot of uh, trying to help people with their well-being. And in some cases, I get to share the gospel with them, which is so cool. And I could tell you more stories about that. But um, I love the various aspects of, of well-being. And, um, and, but, you know, as a church, and as a, if, if you are at all the sort of person that attends church regularly, then week by week you receive both challenge and encouragement to allow God to pour well-being into your life, right? And I hope you're tuning in. Um, but when you do, of course, it's up to us to respond, all right? The, um, the, whoever's speaking in the morning or whoever's leading worship can only present the smorgasbord for you, and then it's up to you to respond, just like it was up to me to respond to the warning light on the dashboard, you know? If I drove that car into the ground, it was only my own fault, okay? So, but we get, week after week, we get poured out lots of wisdom to help us in our well-being. So today what I want to do is look at three habits to maximize your well-being from God's Word, okay? And it might surprise you where we're going to go, but if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open to 1 Kings chapter 17. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Kings 17. And uh, this is not going to be an expository message this morning where we unpick one verse after the other. We're going to be in chapter 17 and 18, and we're going to learn some things from the prophet Elijah. Now, the story of Elijah in, in 1 Kings 17 is fascinating. God interacted with him at various stages of his 
life's journey. Now, who's Elijah? Anyone know? What, what was his claim to fame? He was a prophet. Thank you. Elijah was a prophet, which meant he was God's covenant enforcer. Like God made a covenant and Elijah was there to enforce that covenant. God um, was there as, as, sorry, Elijah was there as God's spokesperson. And he's there to remind the people of what God had said. That's right throughout the Old Testament. You, you often see the prophets to go, hey, remember what God said? He said, do this and you'll be blessed. If you don't, eh, eh, it's bad news. That's what the role of the prophets was. Um, and um, Elijah had a couple of good habits. One of them was that when God speaks, Elijah listened and he responded. That's a good habit to get into, eh? but we'll talk more about that in a minute. But as a result of his response, he ends up in an adventure. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word adventure, but an adventure with God, there's, um, there's no comparison to anything else in your life, right? Uh, with God, there are great adventures happening, and we're going to see what happens to Elijah. But when you're in a position that you can hear God, you want to respond, and you want to say yes to him, which is what I'm going to suggest in a moment. And when you do that, you open up your whole life to an adventure. So let's look at the story of Elijah. When you think about well-being, if you want to experience maximum well-being in your life, the first thing you need to realize is that it starts with a two-way relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that facilitates your well-being. You can't do this on your own, okay? In fact, if, if you've been a, a, a cross follower for a while, you know that everyone should put their faith in Christ. Amen to that? Right. And, and there's, there's nothing like an adventure with God, but it begins with that two-way relationship through faith in Jesus. Um, now, so this whole well-being thing, you can't do that on your own. This is, um, I, th I think we're inclined to, to swallow the lie that, you know, the world says, you can do it. Just go harder, go stronger. Friends, without God, it's impossible. You need him in your life. Um, now, the massive energy that's required to make changes in your life comes from a relationship that you have with God, which brings hope, which brings faith, and which brings love. I was recently having a chat to some people about well-being, and um, far from God, 25 of them. I said, look, the three most important words in the Bible are faith, hope, and love. And talked a little bit about that and then moved on. A week later, somebody rang me and said, can you come and see me? You talked about hope. Tell me, where do you find hope? How good is that, eh? Just dropping that in and God just sowed a seed and he made a phone call. I got to go and sit in his kitchen over a cup of coffee and hear somebody who's got no idea about God and simply one little thing I said allowed me to share the gospel. So if you're a Christ follower, start being a bold person to speak about the hope that you have in Christ. And that, that just gazumps any well-being theories that, that are out there. Okay? Um, now, chapter 17. Here's what's happened. I'm going to give you a helicopter view of these chapters and my hope is that you're going to want to go home and read more detail because you're like, really? Is that what happened? Okay. 
But in chapter 17, um, Elijah had been to the king and he's announced to the king that there's going to be a drought. Okay? So he's not the flavor of the month. It's not good news. King, you got a drought coming. Now, verse 3 says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, go to Kerith Ravine, go and hang out in the ravine for a while where you're a bit safer, where no one can find you, east of the Jordan. And then verse 5 says, He did what the Lord told him. It's amazing, eh? God said it, He did it. Um, now, we don't know if this was an audible word or if it was an impression in his heart, but we, what we do know is that God came close to him, communicated somehow, and he responded with eagerness. Eagerness. Now, a few verses later, verse 9. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. Again, God communicates and he does as he's told. Now, Elijah was a person just like you and I. He had highs and lows. And, um, you know, if you think about all the different areas of well-being, um, oh, here we go. I've missed a couple of... Should have put them up. Here we go. If you think about all these different areas of well-being, we're aware that it's um, not a good idea to ignore it when the dial is on red. But there were times in Elijah's life when all his dials were on red. Right? When he wasn't doing too well. Nothing was happening for him. But out of his relationship with his heavenly father, God directed him. He was able to see his dials move into the green as a result. Okay? Now, the principle I want to um, just share with you this morning that undergirds everything to do with your well-being is this one. God is for you. Now, I don't know what sort of week you've had or what's going on. Maybe this is the number one thing, the only thing that you need to hear this morning. And for you, this is, you know, you're done. Just to know that God is for you. He's not against you. When he, when he looks at you, he's smiling. He loves you. He's for you. He wants the best for you. All right? As opposed to being against us, this is a really comforting thing. This is an encouraging thing. It moves us on in our life, doesn't it? To know that despite what's going on, God, the creator of heaven and earth, is for me. Okay? God's on our side. And he wants us to be in a place of well-being. The God of the universe is for you. All right? Just hope you are hearing me in that. He's for you, not against you. Whatever your position in life right now, whether you're feeling well and all your dials are on green, or you're not doing so well, God is for you. He wants to help you move forward in these different areas of life. Now, Elijah, he saw that in his life. He saw some miraculous things happen. When he was down, God was close to him. When he was victorious on Mount Carmel, God came close to him. So, wherever you are right now, you can rest assured that God is for you. Okay? Now, we might not understand that right now, because things are not going so well. Maybe that's the case for you. But the Bible spends a lot of time telling you that God is good. What do I mean by that? Well, Exodus 34. 
the Lord, the God that is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Psalm 78, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to read that this week. That's phenomenal. God's people in Psalm 78 talks about God's people didn't trust in his deliverance and God was angry about that, but he continued to rain down his provision for them and show his mercy. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Be thankful to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Okay. What that means is he's infinitely generous towards you, and he wants the best for you. And the fact that God is for you transforms this idea of well-being from some helpful slogans that you can you know, tweet to each other um, to something that is eternally changing your life. It can change your life, and it can change my life in powerful ways to know that we have the interest of God, the presence of God, and the power of God alongside us if we put our faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How can I be so confident about that? Well, first of all, my experience, since I got saved at 18, I know that this is true. Secondly, the Bible tells us all the time, right throughout, the whole narrative of Scripture is that God wants to restore relationship with human, human beings. He's for you. God is good. All good things come from Him. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So, He's the source of our well-being. Here, just listen to some other snippets of Scripture, what, what it says about how God is so good. He's the source of your well-being. He gives strength to the weak. He promises to live, never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that's in the Old and in the New Testament. Because I know some of you are sitting there going, no, nah, that's an Old Testament verse, doesn't apply. Old and new. He walks through trials and challenges with you so you won't be consumed by them. He forgives everything you have done. He forgives you. How good is that? And he gives you the capacity to forgive other people who've wronged you. And then Jesus says in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. How good. He's for you. He's so for you, he sent the Lord Jesus Christ down here. And we're going to remember that a bit later on in communion. Um, five times in the New Testament, God is described as the God of peace. Right? Now that, the word that's used there is shalom. Shalom meaning peace, which is well-being in every area of your life. That's what God wants, well-being in every area of your life. That's why it makes such a difference that God is with you, because you don't have to do all this on your own. It transforms you, um, transforms your life to know that God is with us, and he is for us. Now, let me ask you a question. Who wants to make some changes in your life? Any of those, those dolls? Put your hand up. Yeah, you want to make... Yeah, okay. Most of us. Cool. Now, the important thing is that your aspirations to change are sometimes overridden by the habits in our life. Our aspirations to change are overridden by the habits in our life. Now, you might think that's harsh, but 
Think about it this way. If you want to get fitter, you've got to cut out those sausage rolls. Okay? I know, I'm just personally learning that. Okay? Um, if you don't break that habit, it's not going to happen. Um, you might want to get your finances in order. All right? Your financial well-being. But if you have poor spending habits and you're a compulsive shopper and you keep frequenting the mall, meh, probably it ain't going to work for you. Okay? It's going to override your desire to improve because of your habits. So what needs to happen is, is that our habits have to line up with our goals, our desires. We've got to change some habits. Um, I don't know what habits you want to change, but we're going to pray about that shortly. And I want to encourage you to adopt three habits first and foremost. In fact, in the time we've got left, I want to encourage you to fill your reservoirs with three truths and three habits that are going to sustain you in times of drought. We're going to see that in 1 Kings chapter 18. Okay? Three habits. When you focus on these truths and these habits, it'll change some things. All right. So in 1 Kings 18, so I think you're in 17, flick over to chapter 18. From uh, verse 16 onwards is an interesting thing that happens. And uh, you might be familiar with the story. You might not be. I encourage you to dial into it in depth later. But let me just summarize what goes on in this. Um, first of all, you get a confrontation. Elijah confronts this evil king Ahab. And he says to Ahab, you've abandoned the Lord. This is the king, right? The person in charge. Think about saying that to uh, Putin or Biden, you know? Powerful person. Hey, king, you've abandoned the Lord. Now, how do you think that would go for you? Probably not that well. Um, but he, he fronts up. Um, and in fact, Ahab, you have followed false gods. Pretty confronting, right? Then in uh, verse 22 to 24, you get a challenge. He challenges him. Elijah said, let's prepare two bulls on an altar, one each. You get one, and I get one. You guys call out to your gods, Baal, and I'll call out to my Lord. Verse 24. The one who answers by fire is the one who wins. Now, pretty gutsy, because Elijah, he's outnumbered 850 to 1. There's 850 false prophets, and he's the prophet of God. So, yeah, he's got things stacked against him. But God is on his side. And remember what we see? God is for you. So, he's outnumbered. Verse 25, we get the contest. 850 of the false prophets, they danced around, they called out, they, nothing happened. No fire. 850 of them made a fool of themselves. Um, then Elijah, he says this, before I call on my God, why don't you just pour a whole lot of water over, over this thing on the altar, right? Just to make sure that it's, it's covered in water and soaking. And we know that fire doesn't burn things that are wet. So they did that. Then Elijah prays, and guess what? The Lord showed up and burnt the sacrifice. God answered Elijah's prayer. You get the conclusion in verse 39. The people saw this, and they bowed down and worshipped God. And they said, the Lord, he is God. How cool is that? 850 to 1. Now, I don't know what you were uh, facing at the moment. You might be feeling a bit outnumbered in your 
day-to-day life, in your work or at study or whatever you're doing, you might be the only Christian in your circle of influence, feeling a bit outnumbered. But stand firm. Be bold. Um, So, three truths and three habits that we learn from this. The first one is, the real God is Yahweh. So follow him wholeheartedly. The real God is not one of these false gods that got no power. The real God, the God that you worship, the God of heaven and earth, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the real deal. He's Yahweh. So follow him wholeheartedly. Don't let doubt creep in. Um, don't let doubt cause you to be half hearted. Don't let the fact that you're outnumbered by a whole lot of people who don't believe in God, don't allow that to make you half-hearted in doubt. These Israelites had become half-hearted and they followed false gods. They were in a dry place and drought is often followed by doubt. Okay? So if you're in a dry place, look out. Often, if you don't watch it, you're going to start doubting that God is really good and for you. Now, there's lots of things trying to get our attention, isn't there? Lots of things are going to vie your attention and potentially take God's place in your life. And it's very quick to um, things to slip in and God becomes distant. All right, so the first habit I want to encourage you to implement is position yourself to hear God. All right, position yourself. That's a habit you've got to be in. The fact that you're in church on Sunday morning, good for you. Make it a habit. Uh, across New Zealand, um, we have a habit which is called we're becoming twosies. You know what a twosie is? Christians who go to church twice a month. Right? Whether it's a four-week month or a five-week month, twosies. People show up every twice on a Sunday. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I just love being at church on Sunday with other believers. And um, not long after we were married, what, what would happen is we would wake up on Sunday morning and we'd look at each other and go, Mah, should we go to church? Mah, I don't feel like it was a bit late last night. Let's not do it. And we went, stop. Let's cut this out. Let's make it a priority. We're a default mode. We're going to go to church on Sunday because we need to be there, right? We, we put a habit in place 27 years ago to position ourselves to hear God. Now, I'm not saying that to you know, pat me on the back or anything, but it's like this is what you need. To counteract all the garbage that you hear during the week, you have to be in church on Sunday with God's people. Now, is it a rule that if you don't turn up, God will... No, I'm not saying that. Make it a habit. Position yourself to hear from God. By centering our lives around God, that's through worship. Thank you for leading us this morning, Nick. Worship God together, right? Learn to love God's family. That's through fellowship. So don't be in a hurry to disappear afterwards. Enjoy each other's company. Do, encourage each other. Challenge each other through fellowship. By reading the Bible, getting into God's Word, and by praying together and gathering with other believers, you're positioning yourself to hear from God. Right? Through your connect groups during the week. Are you connecting with other believers? Make it a habit. Make it a habit of prayer, reading, Bible, Talking to others. All right, so that's the first one. Um, 
The second truth I want to focus on that we hear from here is that the real God is faithful. So you can trust him in a drought. Um, Elijah trusted him in a drought. You and I can too. The story starts with drought, but it ends with rain. Now, the drought back in the story is a direct result of God's faithfulness to his promises. Part of the Mosaic covenant that God made with the people, he says, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. Okay? They disobeyed, so there is a consequence, and they got a drought. Um, Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will strike you with scorching heat and with drought. This drought that came was a direct result of their disobedience. Um, So Ahab is in disobedience, but if they return to God, it'll bring about blessing. Um, Now, the God of the good times is still the God in the hard times. He prays to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And so, even though you might be going through hard times, God is still God. He is faithful to his promises. So you can trust him. So that leads to a second habit. Let's declare God's goodness. Start the day with thanking God for things. You know, I've, I've started a habit where in the morning I get up and um, before I stand up, when my feet hit the ground, I, I think of three things that I'm thankful for. And um, the reason I do that is because it's so quick to get into negative thinking. And I'm like, oh, what's the, today's going to this. So I stop myself. I go, no, okay, what can I be thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for my wife, my best friend. She stuck with me for 27 years. Fancy that, eh? 27 years. Um, thankful that, um, when, when, that I can come over the hill today and spend time with you guys. Thankful that when I hit the start button on the car, it's likely to start. This is a borrowed car, by the way. So it's a, Thankful that I've got a good friend who said, despite your car being in the garage, here's a spare car. So, and what I tend to find when I start rattling off three things I'm thankful for, when I begin, I can't think of one. By the time I get to three, I can think of 10 others. You're like, oh man, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the lady on the coffee machine this morning who cranked out a great coffee. Man. So start the day with being thankful. Declare God's goodness. Thank you, Lord, that that you've provided for my needs. Thank you that I have family. Thank you that um, I can go to church and worship you with other people who love you. Thankful that there are people in my life that if I go astray, they can pull me back and go, Igor, what are you doing? Ah, accountability, right? Thankful, um, so many things to thank God for, okay? Uh, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, depending on where you put the emphasis, he... um, he, he has three chapters of lament, all right, about how bad things are. And in the end, he, it says, even though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no grapes on the vines, in other words, it's a, no crop, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. So he declares that God is a good God. Make that a habit. Even though things might not be going well and you're going, oh, 
wheels are falling off at work or, or this is going on or the car's in the garage or whatever. Just declare God's goodness and make it a habit. All right. The third truth that we learn from this passage is that the real God is gracious. So come to him as you are. One of our values here at Agora is the grace of Christ. We value that. We value that. Jesus has been so generous to us. He's given his life in our place. Look at what happened in the story. When God answered Elijah's prayer in verse 39, the people saw and they responded and they fell prostrate on the ground before the Lord. Now, it happened straight away. Did they disappear first and clean up their act and get all their ducks in a row before they committed to the Lord? No, they didn't. They were amazed by what God did, and right there and then, they worshipped him as they were. You can come as you are, right? The, the, the concept that you've got to clean up your act before Jesus will accept you is a lie, okay? You can come as you are. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll, rest, you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And 1 Peter 5, we read that we can cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Okay? The real God is gracious, so come to him as you are. And so the habit that comes out of that that we can apply this morning, be someone who lives to say yes to God. Throughout the Elijah story, it's pretty clear that he has a, he's positioned his heart to say yes to God. God said do this, and he did it. All right? Now, it's important for you and I to say yes to God not only once at the point that we get saved, but to continue to say yes to God. Make that your default. If God says do this, then I'm going to do it. All right? We live in such an individualistic world that it's like, well, if it's right for you, you can do it. It's fine. Um, I met a lady once. Get this. That's not on my notes. This is free. Um, and um, and she's a, she was a, a fully devoted follower of Jesus, happily married. And she said to me, I think it's... God's will for me to leave my husband. I'm like, really? Where do you get that idea? Does he not treat you well? Oh, no, he loves me very well. But I just think, you know, it's this day and age, we can choose as we want. Really? I said, well, my understanding from God's word is it says to be faithful to the one you're married to. Oh, yeah, but it's kind of like, you know, that was written so long. Oh, friends, if God says it, Let's do it. Let's be somebody who's got the habit of saying, Here's, God wants the best for me. Here's what I'm going to do. Now, there's difficulty that comes in our life. I get that. But be someone who says yes to the Lord. I'm amazed how many things, um, how, how simpler life becomes when you apply this habit. So get this one. Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Okay. Well, we can just use any language, eh? I just kind of read that and go, 
I think it's pretty clear. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, which means the words I speak must not be unwholesome, which means the word I speak doesn't, does not include a whole lot of swear words and bad language and don't just join the crowds, right? It's simple. That's, that's a part of applying this principle. Um, here's another one. Um, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Oh, we just get drunk on beer then, you know, because it says wine. Um, ah, come on. In that passage, it's talking about the, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. When you are saved and, and you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence. Be controlled by the Spirit, not by the alcoholic beverage, of whatever your choice. All right? Wine is just an example. So when it says don't get drunk, if we are someone who has in the habit of saying yes to God, that means as a Christian, I'm not going to get drunk. Right? It's not rocket science. Um, friends, I think we need to allow God the capacity to come close and to change the things that he wants to change. Right? Treat people how you want to be treated, the golden rule. Um, so as you read scripture this week, and I trust that you're in a regular habit of spending time with God and his word, ask the question, what is this passage saying about God? What is it saying about me? And what is it saying about something that I need to change about my habits? You know? And then do it. Okay. Three truths from the story of Elijah. Three habits for maximum well-being. Friends, the big idea is quench your spiritual thirst by drinking from the reservoir of God's character and adopt three habits. Position yourself to hear from God. Declare God's goodness and be someone who lives to say yes to God. Can we do that? Three healthy habits. Three healthy habits for well-being. Friends, the, the latest magazines in the supermarket, they don't have the lowdown on well-being. God's word does. He's a good God. He loves you. He's for you. Let's implement these habits and live a life of well-being. Live a life like Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. Can I pray for you? Can we do that? Let's pray together. Okay. Just as our heads are bowed, I want to I wanna pray for anyone here that doesn't know Christ, who hasn't yet put their faith in Christ. Maybe, maybe you're like, well, I get all this well-being stuff, but Christ is not at the center of my life. Um, and I think effectively until you put your faith in Christ you're doing this all yourself I'd like to lead you in a prayer that uh, you can follow if you want after me um, for others of us maybe you've been a Christian for many years and you find that you're just going through the motions and you've never got to the position of saying yes to Jesus um, maybe you've never thought about that before you put your faith in Christ but in terms of saying yes over and over and being in the habit is not something you've done. I'm going to pray that something will awaken in you today, that from this day forward, you'll become a person that wants to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're already in a position that you want to say yes to Jesus. I want to pray for you that God will lead you into places that will surprise you and it will bless you and encourage you. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you are for us. Thank you that you're a good, good God. 
Thank you that you're kind. We position ourselves this morning to hear from you. And we recommit to be men and women who say yes to your purposes. Thank you that we can come as we are. Thank you that you're a gracious God. And for anyone here who, who wants to put their life in Christ this morning, just, just follow this. Just say, Lord Jesus, I admit my need of you. I invite you to come into my life. You haven't been at the center of my life. I believe that you died and rose again so that I could receive new joy, purpose, hope, and well-being. Please forgive me for my sin. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I commit to follow you and your ways all the days of my life. Amen. And Lord, I pray for anyone else here who has put their faith in you some time ago, but never got to the position of saying yes to you on an ongoing basis. Would you awaken a fresh desire in each of us to say yes to you? Do what only you can do, Lord. Thank you that when we come to you by faith and we put our trust in you, you don't leave us as we are. Thank you that you offer us life to the full, maximum well-being. Today, Lord, we recognize that some of our habits haven't actually helped us. So we ask, Lord, for strength and for conviction. As we put in place some healthy habits, we declare that you are good. Help us to do that as we leave here this morning, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.